First Timothy chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, we, if you're a visitor or haven't been around in a Sunday evening service for the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a little bit of a series on standards that should be in, in ministry and uh, standards that we hold to as a fellowship and that we believe in. And uh, we're going to look at one of those this evening. I, July 15th, 1976 was a day that, of course, many of you weren't even born yet, but if you were, you may remember this. I was only 10 years old, and, and I do remember a little bit of it in Couchilla, California, a school bus full of 26 children and their bus driver were kidnapped by some brothers. They were led on a crazy ride for a number of hours, put in the back of vans, and they were brought to a place where the brothers had buried with a, with a cohort. They had buried a old a moving van like a U-Haul kind of van in the dirt, buried it underneath and forced the children into this underneath and uh, buried them alive and put some things and then ransomed. They had found out that the, uh, the, the state of California under Ronald Reagan for the first year had run a surplus of $50 million and they thought that they could ransom $5 million from the state of California for the safety of these children. They managed to escape through the heroics, especially of one of the older children and the bus driver. They were able to get free. The brothers were apprehended. They're still in jail to this day. What is very interesting about that is their inspiration for that kidnapping was they saw it in a Dirty Harry movie. The go-ahead-make-my-day Dirty Harry Clint Eastwood movies. And they thought we can do it, but we could do it better. The ministry standards that I want to deal with, and I'm putting them together, in our fellowship, in our standard for ministry, we do believe that you're going to not own a television. You're going to be in ministry. You're not going to go to movie theaters and on your computers and phones and such, you will have internet blockers against pornography, gambling, and other issues. I've entitled this sermon very simply, Keep Your Eyeballs in Your Head. And I want to talk to you about the influence of the eyes in, a, in the series of standard when it comes to ministry. First Timothy, this has been our launching point. This is standards that Paul brings out for the ministry. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. If anyone inspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable, honorable position or some say a noble work. So a leader of a church must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control and live wisely, have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. He must be able to teach. 
He must not be a heavy drinker, nor violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, not love money. He must manage his own household, uh, his whole family well, having his children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of the church of uh, God's church? A church leader must be uh, must not be a new believer, because he might become proud, and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him, so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons must be well respected, have integrity, must not be a heavy drinker, or dishonest, uh, 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 or dishonest with money. He, they must be committed to the mysteries of the faith. And uh, now revealed and must live with a clear, a clear conscience. Before they are proved as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and not slandering each other. They must exercise self-control, be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife. He must manage his children and his household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have an increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Now, again, this is speaking of two different offices and two different positions, if you will. There's the pastor or the bishop or the, or the elder, and there is the deacon or the servant is what the word literally means. It comes from the word table waiter. And in our vernacular, things have changed in the sense that we now call what we would say deacons as disciples. And disciples simply, in Jesus' day, meant any believer, which we now use the term a Christian. And so the thought here is that he's bringing out standards for those offices. And if you study them out, you'll find them not to be that much different. And in our standards of ministry, one of the issues is what you put before your eyes. We are very visual. Human nature is very, very visual. There's a tremendous power in the vision. Jesus said these words, Matthew chapter 6, 22 and 23, Your eye is like a lamp. It provides light for your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And the light that you think you have is actually darkness. How deep that darkness is. So he's bringing out the fact that there's something about the eye that is connected to your soul. That what you're putting before it is going to have a tremendous influence on who you are and what you do. It is said that a consumer is likely to remember 10% of the information they hear but 65% of the information that has an image beside it. You ever go into a restaurant and you get a menu and they'll have pictures on the menu? You are three times to five times more likely to order that with the picture than you are with just the words and the description. That's why they put pictures 
on menus and they know when they have that picture on there, people are going to order that. A study in the University of California, Santa Barbara, California, watching sex on television produces, uh, predicts adolescence initial sexual behavior. A recent survey suggested that most sexual uh, ex, uh, experienced teens wish they had waited longer to, uh, before they had inco- intercourse, but it indicates that uh, through unplanned pregnancies, sexually transmitted diseases, and all sorts of things, the American Academy of uh, Pediatrics suggests that portrayals of sex in entertainment on television and movies contribute to this adolescent behavior. Approximately two-thirds of television shows contain sexual content. However, it plays out and causes people, children, to be three times more likely to engage in sexual activity. What we watch, we do. Another interesting survey is that the average child, elementary school child, will see 8,000 acts of violence on television. And by the time they're 18, they'll have seen over 200,000 murders. Our nation is filled with violence. Coincidence? Another survey says the relation between parental restrictions in movies between adolescents that use tobacco and alcohol, viewing smoking and drinking in movies may prompt adolescents to initiate these behaviors. Movies with an R rating contain more smoking than movies of any other category. And they conclude that exposure to these ups the chance that a child will use both alcohol and tobacco. I could go on and on, and I'm leaving out a lot of the details because it just gets bogged down. But the fact of it, when we see, we imitate. That's what we do. That's in our human nature. Peter describes this. He says they commit adultery, 2 Peter 2.14, they commit adultery with their eyes. And their desire for sin is never satisfied. Their lust, unstable, rather they lure unstable people into sin. They are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. Can you say Hollywood? This is what they do. It's very interesting. They commit adultery. That word in the Greek would be a feminine version of the word. Literally, they are lured by the adulteress. And this is a very common practice. It is permeating our generation. What you see will change your heart. Let's go back to the beginning. Adam and Eve are made. They're put in the garden of paradise. 
They have no sinful nature like you and I do. They have not sinned yet. It's not been birthed into the human condition. There's one tree in the garden. God said, don't touch it. Don't don't eat it. Do not eat the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. But the devil comes and he begins to put a suggestion in Eve's ear that you know what? You won't die. Genesis 3, 4 through 7. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. You will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced, and she saw the tree was beautiful, and the fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit, and she ate it. And she gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And at their moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame of their nakedness, and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. It began with the eye. She sees the fruit, She's, and it changed. Oh, that looks good. Hollywood, internet, Instagram, all the social media garbage, all presents itself as to be this glorious looking, wonderful thing. They never show the, you know, the, the sexual diseases. They never show the cancers from cigarettes. They never show the alcohol issues, the drunk drivers, the crap. How many ever remember when you were in, I don't know if they had this, I don't know if they'd still do it, but when I took driver's ed, they would show you videos of crashed cars. They would show you, this is what happens if you drive drunk. And it, it, it had impact on me. I actually was scared to death to drive drunk because of those videos. And it was, not that I did not do it, but anyway, but that was still scared me. And the thought is that when we see things, it changes our mind. She looked at the tree, now she desires it. She, she, who knows what she was doing before? But her eye caught her heart, and her heart caused her to do something. Matthew 18 7 through 9, Jesus said, What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people in sin? Temptations are inevitable, but the sorrow that awaits the person who is doing the tempting. So if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, throw, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into the eternal fire with both hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter into eternal life with only one eye than having two eyes and being thrown into the fire of hell. Now, Jesus is not speaking literally. Otherwise, we'd all be blind and lame and (laughs) helpless. Because our feet, and this is, it has to do with your hand is what you do. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your strength. Your feet is where you go. But your eyes are what you look at. 
And what he's saying in this text is not that to physically gouge out your eyes, but it is to be radical with that which you put before it. Because what you put before it is going to determine the direction of your life. And he says you have to be careful that if this is causing you sin, you're going to have to deal radically with this so that it doesn't destroy your soul. He mentions the hand and foot together, but he specifically takes time and deals with the eyes. Eyes are direction. Where people are looking, it will capture their heart. It will determine where you're going. Now, we all, you know, there's a video, and I almost showed it, but I thought it's just more distracting. You, You can look it up later, later, later. But it's the girl who's texting in the mall and walks straight into the fountain and falls in, right? And they capture it on a bunch of surveillance because she's not looking where she's going. Most of us are looking where we're going, but we're also going where we're looking. And where you begin to put your eye all the time is going to determine where you go. Romans 12 and verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How are you going to change your mind when you're constantly putting garbage before your eyes? I was reading about advertisements. And how they will specifically target advertisements. And what was very interesting, one of, this, one of the uh, surveys that I was reading said that it's very interesting that our, uh, our young people are dealing with the issue of overweight and obesity and how much food is targeted at children. The Bible tells us that Lot's eyes were towards Sodom. Genesis 13 and verse 10, Lot taking a long look at the fertile plains of Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere and was like the garden of the Lord in a beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. When God finally gets Lot out of the city, he tells him, his wife, his two daughters, don't look back. But Genesis 19 tells us, but Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him. And she turned into a pillar of salt. Because where you're looking will capture your heart. She's captured by the wickedness of Sodom. Benjamin Franklin said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And so in this standard is not simply just how disciplined you are, it's to protect you. David said in Psalms 101 verse 3, I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate those who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. 
You have to make a decision to keep your eyes pure or to keep your eyes in your head. Jesus said another place, Matthew 5, 29, dealing with the issue of lust. He said, so if your eye, even your good eye causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than to have your whole body to be thrown into hell. Solomon writes and he says, guard your heart above all else. This is Proverbs 4, 23 through 26. It determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupting speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. He says, you want to keep your heart? You want to guard it? You're going to have to guard your mouth. You're going to have to guard your eyes. You're going to have to guard your feet. What you say, what you look at, and where you go. It's going to guard your heart. That's what these standards are about. Because the fight in Christianity is going to be won or lost in the mind. That's where the battle of most Christians take place. Even as I'm preaching, there's people, you're facing a battle right now in your mind. Some of you are arguing with me. It's human nature. I preach long enough, I know. And smile. But, you know, why is he saying that? I wish he wasn't saying that. Why? I don't, you know. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, you know, yeah. Right? I've, I've, Because I've been there, okay? (laughs) I know how that works, okay? I've been there. And in your mind, in general, what you are watching, what you are looking at, will affect your mind. It will affect your spirit. And the media is designed to affect your behavior. Think about an advertisement. Think about a television commercial. 30 seconds. They have 30 seconds to sell you on a product that you may or may not have even known you want. Right? You want, you know, if you're watching something, right, and and all of a sudden it comes on, it's an insurance commercial. And they're going to try to convince you. Now, if you own a car, you should have insurance. But they're trying to convince you to come over to their insurance company. Forget the other one. And they'll come up with their slogans. And they'll come up with their ideas. And they'll come up with their... They're trying to convince you. Then they're going to try to convince you that their pizza is better than all the other pizza places. And they're going to try to convince you that, you know what, this product uh, will change and revolutionize your life. Uh, You know, if you just spray this around the house, or if you just use this uh, product to clean, or if you just have this uh, car or this, it's like the fight is for your mind. And they know advertisement works. Well, don't think that they don't understand how movies work. You know, it's amazing. If Hollywood was generally just out for the money, it's amazing how wholesome children's movies make all their money. Movies, franchises like Toy Story, uh, they, they make billions for the Hollywood. But they use that to finance all the garbage and junk, the sex and the horror and all of that that they put out constantly. That some of it loses money. 
Colossians 1.21. This includes you who were once far away from God. In, and you were his enemy, separated from him by evil thoughts and actions. Our text says that a pastor or a deacon must be above reproach. Verse 2 of our text, a man who is above reproach. For the deacon, it says that it goes to say in the same way, the deacon must be well respected and have integrity. The word to be above reproach literally means to be not arrestable for. The thought is keeping yourself from that which pollutes the mind and the heart. Jude 1, rescue those, uh, rescue others by snatching them out of the flames of judgment, showing mercy still to others who do with great caution, hating the sin that contaminates their lives. The issue has to be understood that this kind of sin does destroy people's lives, ministries, and marriages. We're not just talking about a simple, oh, well, that's your opinion. No, I have seen it destroy people. Because one thing leads to another. When you're moving in a certain direction, and a nature of sin is to tear down your resistance. Tear down what you believe. They did a very interesting study. It is typically middle class, conservative people who don't agree with homosexuality. But they found that more and more of that class of people were. And what was the... Why were they doing? Why was there a shift? Politically speaking, they would have been conservative on many other issues. But why on this were they giving in? Pornography. If they watched pornography, then all of a sudden that wasn't so bad. Because it changes. One thing leads to another. So the issue then has to be a heart check. Because maybe other people don't know what you're looking at. But it'll come out. It'll play out in life. You have to do the heart check. These standards aren't just rules. Too many people like rules. Pioneer pastor told me recently that somebody left their church because they weren't giving them enough rules. Well, you're not telling me exactly what I must do. It's like, I don't have time. I'm sorry. I just don't have time to tell you all. It's a heart issue. Because not everybody is checking everything all the time. It's not the way life works. What is your heart before God? Standards reveal the heart. They don't change the heart. 
Rules will never change your heart. They reveal the heart. Our text tells us that one of the issues that keeps us is how we portray before other people. So a church leader, verse 2, must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. Let me tell you, mental adultery, pornography is worse in some wives' mind than actual physical adultery because they can't compete to the airbrushed, surgically changed and altered. i tell you what, just so, male pornography, unemotional, over-sexualized women. Female pornography, it's called soap operas. Over-emotionalized, desexualized men. They don't exist in reality. But it changes your expectation of your spouse. Now you're competing with a fantasy. And you can't win against a fantasy. Deacons, let them be examined closely. And if they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. There's something about the accountability with others. And then keeping yourself pure. Again, your eyes are linked to your heart. The optical nerve may go straight to the brain, but there's something spiritual that takes this and puts it here. Philippians 1, 10 and 11. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ and will bring forth the glory and the praise to God. And so in these standards, and I have lumped them all together because they all really are just this one issue. And I have, you know, I've had people try to play the game around the issues and all that. Well, I don't have a television. I just have Netflix on my, uh, you know, like, really? You're just playing semantics now. It's a heart issue. What is the heart issue? Standards aren't going to keep you pure. Just like 55 miles an hour isn't going to guarantee that you drive 55 miles an hour. I haven't met too many people, I haven't seen too many cars around here driving 55 miles an hour on the highways. (laughs) Or in school zones for that matter. But anyway. Right? The rule isn't going to keep us from breaking it. The heart is. And these aren't just speeding tickets and issues of, of civic sins, if you will. Nobody goes to hell for speeding. 
but the reality and the understanding of what's in here has been put in through here. And that we need to guard these the best we can. You can't, you can't filter out everything. You're not going to see. But it is very interesting. And I close with this. Pastor Joe Campbell said it one time. So it's very interesting. You can't stop your ears from hearing. You can cover them with your hands. But you can't stop. But God gave us eyelids. That we can stop ourselves from seeing. We can't stop ourselves from hearing everything. But we can stop ourselves from watching everything. And it would be wise for us to heed these standards. Because it may not play out day one or day 12 or day 15 or day 260, but it will play out in your life. And the destruction is horrible. Keep your eyeballs in your head. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you've come this evening. You are greatly influenced by what you watch. And what most people watch is sin. Murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts. This is what our media is filled with. And it's what we imitate. And that's what people do. The Bible calls that sin. Jesus said these issues all come from the heart because we put them in there. But the glorious news is you can have a new heart. Jesus Christ can come and touch your life and change your change you in a moment of time. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to set you free. He wants you to be different. He wants you to change. And if you're here this evening, you're not right with God. You need prayer. You need to get your heart right with Jesus. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, that's me. Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. But I need to, I need to ask Jesus Christ in my heart. Very quickly, slip up your hand. Pray for me. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe this is the very issue. You're away from God. You need to come back. Slip up your hand. I need to get my heart right. Changing the call then to Christians. What we put before our eyes. And when it's garbage in, it's garbage out. And so making the commitment. I, as David said, I'm not going to put anything vile. I'm not going to put anything that upsets the Lord before my eyes. Deliberately, of course, there's billboards, there's all sorts of things, there's things you can't control. I understand that. But there's a large difference between a bird flying through by your window and you having a cage in your house. Bringing it in, letting it nest there, letting it grow, letting it feed. 
That's the issue. Keeping your eyeballs in your head. Let's all stand. These altars are open. Allow people to find a place to pray, worship God. Let's sing a song. Give Him glory. Thank you for the cross. Let's worship him. Father, we love you.